Pokemon, gotta catch them all. I think we should start there. <laughs> yeah, mate. I think that's it. We actually were just trying to see. I mean, we have no idea whether the Pokemon theme tune was successfully yep. picked up. Or the sound quality is right. By my tinny phone. Um, but what better way to start Detective Pikachu review than the original Gotta Catch Em All oh. soundtrack. That has got 55 million plays. Yeah, that is shocking. On like, YouTube. Surely. Shocking in a good way or shocking in a bad way? Like, did you expect it to have more? I sh- no, I assume that there'll be a proliferation of YouTube accounts that will be just spread over. But no, that 55 million is on one thing. It's RK92299. Yeah. It's one. I mean, it's got more plays than James Charles has followers. But we won't get into that in this podcast. How are you doing this week, Will? Not too bad. Not too bad. I, I think I'm a, um, a, 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 a testament to how drinking alcohol before a podcast doesn't do wonders for your body. Because I was literally just walking around for the last 10, 15 minutes with like a blanket on. Like, I'm so cold. <laughs> were... I'm so cold. And now I'm in this room. And I'm just like boiling. Yeah, I man. sweat. I've got red all over. I... Very weird. I mean, you, you've been walking around my house like E.T. in those final scenes. I know, like, I know. I mean, we do have central heating, like, and it, it is flowing right now. Yes, I know, and it's fine. I just, for some reason, I'm just gone. Anyway, cheers. <laughs> cheers, cheers to you with your uh, one pound bottle of clearance Caribbean twist. We are uh, breaking the bank this week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we're spending a lot of money on this drink. Oh, that was a healthy glug. I hope that was picked up. Yeah, I, I actually, <laughs> that's what our listeners want to hear, just like the gurgling no, absolutely. of the I'll podcast. Tell you, I'll tell you what, before, before we get into things, earlier today I was shown that ASMR stuff for the first time. Do you know about this? Yeah. So this is people that have the, um, like they have Bluetooth mics like the one we're recording on now and they do something with the sound so that it picks up um, with like perfect fidelity people eating food mm. and someone should, like I've kind of heard about it before and I've seen a little bit of it um, but someone in my office showed me one of this woman eating a pickle and it is horrible like one of my colleagues it was like the most apt description ever was he said it sounded like a child's swimming pool in her mouth it's that kind of like 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 the splattering oh disgusting man let's never do that on the podcast no I disagree I, I, I hate everything about the ASMR I don't like the trend it's setting I don't understand it what does that stand for um, actually stupid men retching yes not necessarily men but it sounds oh it just, it's gross. Hang on, I'm going to look this up. You t- you talk, you introduce the episode. <laughs> Should I go back into Pokemon? Got <laughs> yeah, you do that, you do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll... Um, yeah, while Will is searching that completely irrelevant piece of information, we are back this week. We Last time we saw, well, we spoke to all of you guys through the wonderful World Wide Web. We were reviewing Avengers Endgame. Um, quite an intense episode. It was one of our first ones back after a brief hiatus. Yeah. Fantastic film. We had a lot of things to talk about. 
This week we are back with Detective Pikachu. We are indeed. Um, the well, I mean, it's the highest grossing, uh, what highest highest grossing film based on a video game. Industry. It is indeed. It just a, a couple of days ago it overtook the original Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider film, which I don't know, like. I was kind of upset about that. Like, I like that that was always the bar, especially with, like, Sonic the Hedgehog around the corner and the colossal fuck-up that that has been with the trailer being released and them now going back to the drawing board and saying they're going to re-edit Sonic, they're going to make him actually (laughs) fucking look like he should look. Um, It's kind of nice to always have Tomb Raider... Have Angelina up there as kind of the barometer, kind of like the gold standard for video game films. How many video game films have you now seen? Oh mate, I don't know. Do you include Power Rangers, or does that that doesn't really count, does it? Power Rangers does not count. No. So, no. so what counts as a video game film? Um, a film that was a a, a pro- project that was originally a video game, and then it then turned into a film or a TV show after the original video game. Oh, oh I'll tell you what was a rubbish example. Uh, Prince of Persia with Jake Gyllenhaal. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Awful. I'll tell you what's another rubbish example. Go on. The Assassin's Creed movie. Oh, uh, terrible yeah. film! Who, was it Michael Fassbender? Yep. Oh god, that but, was such. That was so disappointing as well because the Assassin's Creed games are just like they pride themselves on their storytelling. So if any if any video game was going to get turned into a film successfully, it would be that. Yeah, it would be. The, it, I was so excited for it for that exact reason, and I, and I heard bad reviews about it, and I watched it about a year and a half later. Just a quick pricey of the Assassin's Creed film. All of the exciting stuff as Michael Fassbender as an assassin takes place about about two hour movie, maybe two hour and ten minute movie. It's a long movie. It's about 15 minutes of Michael Fassbender as an assassin in Spain. That's it. The past is only like 15 minutes of the total of that film. Everything else is just people talking in rooms. It's an Abomination. Dreadful movie. <laughs> Dreadful a... movie. They also did a Need for Speed film recently. Do you remember oh, that? Yes, they did do a Need for it, Speed it film. Was like the, it was like the big film that... Um, what's his face? The guy... Aaron Paul, the guy who plays Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. It was like the thing he did after Breaking Bad ended. And as we know, historically, when someone comes off the back of being such an incredible character in a long-standing successful TV show, when they try and do a film... <clears throat> cough, cough, Kit Harrington, cough, cough, Pompeii. Um, it's always dreadful. Yeah. It, it kind of seems, it's almost like a rite of passage. Like, if you're like a beloved TV, dramatic TV actor, or, like a beloved character, you're incredibly typecast and you have to go through this kind of baptism of fire of doing a box office bomb before you start to get accepted into normality again in, in Hollywood. The Game of Thrones cast have not done well with that at all. No, Christ, like, yeah. Sa- like um, Sophie Turner as Stanza Stark, her first... Stanza Stark. Stanza, <laughs> yeah. She's got so many stanzas. <laughs> yeah, Stanza Stark. Um, that was a very funny Stanza joke, because you see the... Anyway. Um, Stanza Stark in Game of Thrones. Um, she was in X-Men Apocalypse, terrible film. Amelia Clark, Game of Thrones. Terminator Genesis, terrible film. Um, what other things have Game of Thrones cast been? Charles Dance is in the new Godzilla film. Yeah, but Charles Dance has been—he's been around the blocks pre-Game of Thrones. He's a—he's a well-known actor. Yes. Name a film that, <laughs> oh, or a TV show about Game but, of Thrones. Come on, man, we're recording. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I can't answer that question. No, no. I tell you what, the only other one that I was going to mention in terms of video games turned into films unsuccessfully, but it's kind of become a cult classic. Have you seen Doom with oh, yeah. The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson? But this was back in, 
It was back in 2005. So this was when he was still kind of primetime WWE before he'd made that full leap to being the highest paid star in Hollywood. So uh, he had left the WWE at that point. He still had hair. But he still had hair. Yes, exactly. And he was about... Had he just he... done The Scorpion King or was it just after he did The Scorpion oh, King? Oh, another classic. Great. Another movie. early rock classic. Yeah. Um, I've Terrible no CGI. I have no idea. Um, there's a bit in that film. Oh, God, we've got to get onto the detective Pikachu. No, it doesn't um, matter. There's a bit in Scorpion King, do you remember, where he gets buried in the sand. His whole body's buried in the sand. It's just his neck and his head poking out. And they unleash fire ants. And the rock has got such strong neck muscles that when hundreds of these fire ants come at him, he crushes them yes. all individually with his fucking chin. He's like, oh, fuck you, Ed. And he, like, he bites someone, like, spits them away. And he sings the Moana, you're welcome, you're He's, welcome. He does. Why does it? Um, Wreck-It Ralph, is, does that count? No, because that's a film about a video game that hasn't got a video game attached to it. Oh. That's a league of its own. Oh, so that is a whole new entity in this realm. Yeah. Wow, okay. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure they haven't got. A I thought Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph was a was an original video game, but maybe that was just the the, the selling of it to me. Mm. Oh well, who who knew? Well, maybe so, maybe someone can call in and correct me. Yeah, exactly. But I suppose, <laughs> maybe someone can finally call me out on my bullshit. <laughs> but I suppose that um, the important thing is that there's not been a lot of video game films that I can really remember that much. But one franchise that's always done well with um, video games. Um, films is the Pokemon franchise. Yes, the amount of Pokemon films there has now been. I'm trying to look up on the internet how many Pokemon yeah, films I'm, there are. I mean, I suppose the whole conversation we've just had about video game films is based on live action ones, right? So, kind of actors in roles, not kind of we're not including cartoon releases and things no. like that. And obviously, a lot of people who will go to see Detective Pikachu or have done already will be very fond of the original Pokemon film with Ash and with Pikachu and with Mewtwo and uh, one of the most painful moments I think in film history where Pikachu dies um, it's just Pikachu incredible well he, he, he kind of does and gets resurrected Ash he? dies oh yeah Pikachu. shit yeah, Pikachu. <laughs> oh I'm getting it mixed Pik- up with this movie Pikachu cries <laughs> oh yeah Pikachu yes he does Pikachu and he's like cries. floods of tears and, it, oh. and then they all t- and then he turns to stone and then he turns out of stone oh it's amazing um, I also really like and this is people don't like this film but I love it Pokemon the movie 2000 did you see that one with the possibly legendary- I mean I would have been about four years the old legendary so. birds with um, Lugia at the end of it and it was the f- one of the first sightings of um, Lugia the caveat, the, the caveat here is for this episode Will is kind of the Pokemon expert I like to masquerade as a Pokemon fan but I don't really have a lot of knowledge so he just said something like Lumpia I have no idea what that means oh, this is going to be a thing of me just sighing inside every Pokemon that you get wrong isn't it it is um, yeah my for my background for this for to, for my Pokemon love is that when I was seven, I got the uh, Pokemon Leaf Green and Pokemon Emerald and Pokemon Sapphire for birth, my what, birthday. All in one go? All in one go. Fucking hell, what did you, like... Um, my... Did you do that thing, like, when you're a kid and you get loads of presents for your birthday and you're so excited because you've wanted all of them and you're really stressed because you don't know which one to spend time with first? Well, I don't want to sound, like, hashtag relatable, <laughs> but um, I had a, ve- I had a very... Um, this is not the joke of that is it's really not relatable. I had a, I, I had a very rich uncle at the time who has subsequently um, 
is, is not as rich anymore. Let's just say that. Because he um, spent it all on fucking leaf green no, Pokemon no, for but, you. <laughs> when I, but when I was younger, I was really, really treated and it was really kind of them um, and to treat me. And I, I, I think I got, as a joint present for my parents and my um, uncle and cousins, I got all the Pokemon games plus the games console. So that was a new thing. And then the next Christmas, they got me a bike. It was all very exciting. Um, but anyway, that's a that's a bygone thing. I played those games religiously. And what, the first time I ever played that game, I don't know if anyone, anyone who's ever been a Pokemon fan, you can relate. Um, I traded my starter Pokemon at the beginning of the game because I couldn't beat one of the gyms because I was a seven-year-old. Um, <laughs> and I traded it with a friend who gave me um, a really high-powered Pokemon, three of them, really high-powered Pokemon, for me to beat this gym. And then I didn't see him because it was a play date. And then the play date ended and I had these three Pokemon, which were all vastly overpowered. And there was a rule in the game that if you got traded vastly powered Pokemon, you couldn't control troll them until the, end of the, until the end of the game, once you got all the gym badges. So what then happened is my friend decided to then delete his game save with my starter Pokemon on it, leaving me with these three terrible Pokemon that mainly hit themselves in battle. And so I had to complete the whole game with Pokemon that weren't obeying by my commands. They'd sometimes just go to sleep randomly. Like, not even joking, that's a thing they can do. Um, and so I have always thought of Pokemon as my absolute love because it's also my like one of the things that I try hardest in life. I think that I've tried harder in Pokemon than a lot of other things I've done in my life. And then subsequently I've bought consoles like the Nintendo DS and now the Nintendo 3DS just for the Pokemon games. I am obsessed. I am a fiend. I have got great Pokemon. I've got great Pokemon skills. I'm ready for this podcast. It's quite the CV. Yeah, I know. I've done quite well. Um, but obviously, you, you mentioned the 3DS. The Detective Pikachu film is based on the Detective Pikachu game, which came out two years ago which on did, 3DS. Which I did not get. Um, which is essentially kind of what it sounds like, to be honest. You've got a little Pikachu that runs around with a Sherlock cap with his friend Tim, and they solve a mystery together, or a series of mysteries. Um, and this Pikachu is very different to the regular Pikachu. He's kind of wisecracking, he's got lots of puns, he can be a bit crude. Um, so who better to embody that Pikachu in a live-action film than Ryan Reynolds, the Merc with the Mouth, Deadpool himself? Um, Genius casting. When we first saw the trailers for this film, I don't know about you, but I was a little bit like, we'd just come off the back. I think it came out, actually, the trailer came out around the time Deadpool 2 was released in cinemas. And I kind of had a bit of Ryan Reynolds fatigue. I'd also just watched that Hitman's Bodyguard film with Samuel L. Jackson and him. Oh, yeah. And I was getting a little bit sick of the fact that he kind of just does the same thing over and over again. Um, so I wasn't immediately hot on it. When I saw the trailer, I thought, this is really cool. I'm actually quite impressed that the kind of Pokemon brand are willing to have this much fun with something and yep. kind of really be this creative. Um, but I wasn't completely sold on it. As we got closer to it coming out last week, I really started to think, you know what? I'm really getting into the idea of this. I think it'll be really, really good fun. Reviews came out, mixed to average. To be honest, that's what I expected. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect everyone to all of a sudden be like, this is the film you have to see in 2019. But I was hoping for that glimmer of light through the reviews which was this is just quite a fun film enjoy it you'll especially enjoy it if you're a pokemon fan um it's been directed by rob letterman do you know what his previous is is rob letterman the guy that did into the woods no no okay <laughs> uh he's not um, I'm sure he'd give it a good crack if they There's, gave it to him there might be another rob um he did shark tale 
Oh. Working at the car wash. You remember that scene? No, but I'm, I know the song. You've got to remember that film, man. Was, the car wash scene in Shark Tale. Oh, classic. I'm sorry. Um, he also did Monsters vs. Aliens, which is one of the easy to forget family films of the last decade, but was actually quite good if you watched it. Yeah. Um, I think there was a sequel. I don't know. Um, I think there was, actually. So, so it kind of, it, it's in fairly safe live action animation hands, um, this film. It's it <gasps> wasn't Captain in Underpants. Cap- oh, well, the recent one. Yeah, the recent one. Did that do well? Um, I I wanted to see it. Never watched it. It got eighty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. La la la! <laughs> I love those books. Man. Such anyway, books. While it was in quite safe hands in terms of director, it wasn't in very safe hands in one particular cinema in Canada. Now, do you know about this? No. This is just priceless. So the film came out last weekend, okay? It managed to, so far it's grossed $161 million worldwide, second behind Endgame in those rankings, which is now marching its way towards $2.7 billion, which is just nuts, really. Um, I heard, I heard uh, earlier today that in just 11 days, Endgame grossed what? Infinity War did in its entire life cycle, including DVD sales, which slightly surprises me. I'm yeah, massively. Infinity, we, we've done this last week. We did, but yeah. Infinity War is a considerably more enjoyable film, but and with more rewatch value, in my I opinion. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, no film hits two point seven with one time watches. Yeah, no, no, no. Exactly. That is that is that is multiple repeat visits for a lot of people. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so this this film's done very well um, in a theatre in Montreal. Um, kids were in for quite the surprise. So a fat, like a load of families went to sit down and watch Detective Pikachu on the night it came out. You know, early preview screen, like, you know, 5, 6 p.m. They'll be home and tucked in into bed by 9 p.m., right? Nice, easygoing film. Nothing too difficult for kids between 5 and 12 to watch yep. with their parents. Yep. Um, the trailer started rolling on this viewing, right? And things seemed a little bit strange. For some reason, oh, no. the trailer for Child's Play oh, came no. up on the screen. Now, while there's nothing really in the trailer that is too graphic, it is a trailer revolving around an evil child-like child doll that kills people. Um, so, you know, parents started to think, this is a bit odd. Um, then there was another trailer. The trailer was for the upcoming Ari Aster film, Midsummer. <laughs> now, we actually just watched that prior to recording this episode oh, no. and both of us were pretty freaked out by it watching it on my phone with a cracked screen so at that point i think a couple of parents were like well all the parents were like this isn't right and a couple of parents decided to go out into the foyer and see what was going on you know then the film started and detective pikachu didn't come up on the screen do you no. want to take a stab at what came up on the screen will um what 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 films like eighteen or fifteen at the moment? Well, there is a really really rubbish horror film out at the moment. Real kind of like the Conjuring, B-Tech Conjuring kind of film. It's not the Raven called, too, is it? No, it's called The Curse of La Lorena. Now the opening scene to this film, it literally just it it goes from black to the scene. There's no build up. The opening frame of this film is a woman drowning her child in a river. <laughs> right? Um, and it's... I've watched it. I've watched it since. It's it's unbelievably graphic. And this came up in a Detective Pikachu screening in Montreal where there were men, women and children sat there ready with their popcorn, with their fruit shoots to watch 
a happy little wisecracking yellow Pokemon. And nope, they got a six-year-old being drowned to death. That's amazing. Um, the film was up on screen for about three minutes before it was paused. And then, this is just brilliant. Like, I don't understand why this happened. What then happened is a staff member at the cinema came into the screening, apologised, asked that they all move to another cinema screen to start watching Detective Pikachu. <laughs> and they moved to another screening, which had started sort of just after. And what had happened is they were five minutes into the Pikachu film, they'd paused it, waited for everyone from the one screening to go into the other screening and settle, and then just press play. What? So not only did these people get shown the most fucked up stuff for about 15 minutes... They missed five they minutes missed of Pikachu. five minutes of the film. That is a joke. <laughs> and, the, and, like, the cherry on the top of this cake is that one of the audience members of this specific screening is the editor-in-chief for Screen Rant, which is the movie news website, which is probably my go-to for any kind of news. And so he was live-tweeting the whole thing. It was, like, fucking hilarious, man. Wow. I I can't believe it. That's incredible. Could you imagine that? Well, we had a we went into a cinema once. What were we watch, trying to watch Cold Pursuit? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, that was the um, person outside it. We were trying to watch um, Slaughterhouse Rules. Yes, and uh, Johnny English came up on the screen. Yes, which I could start next. And and they corrected it, and they started playing um, Slaughterhouse Rules. And then when that came up on the screen, the elderly couple behind us got up and went, oh, for God's sake, this isn't Baby and Rhapsody, is it? <laughs> and left. So not only had the cinema got the film wrong, but they had also got the film wrong. They got the film wrong twice, which is amazing. <laughs> oh, very funny. Very, very funny. Anyway, our experience was slightly more straightforward yeah. than that. We both went to watch it last week. Um, give, me a, give me a kind of... Give me your thoughts. We've done 22 minutes of this podcast and not mentioned one word about the film. <laughs> give me a, give me a, give me a little, uh, just, just tell me about the Detective Pikachu one. Okay, so this is my, I'll do it briefly and succinctly. Um, the film, the, 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 no, I won't. <laughs> no, no, I won't. Um, Nothing's ever succinct with you. The video game, the original video game, um, was pr- pretty much well received and w- well received by most critics. IGN gave it like an eight point seven, eight point two, but throughout most of the different um, reviews, what the c- consistent theme was um, is that of the there, video game. of the video game was that there was not much of a plot or a story. It just revolved around like a fun game, and the mechanics were like a bit like eh. But like the, the story itself was good, the plot was a bit like okay, but then the mechanics itself were not that good. I kind of feel the same with this film. It's just like if you're going to be a film that's called Detective Pikachu, Pikachu better do some detective work. <laughs> Pikachu does fuck all detective. Pikachu work. does no detective work in this film. Pikachu goes to places with Tim and says some stuff, s- runs no, away. No, 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 doesn't even say some stuff. Like, usually some kind of hologram explains the situation for them. Yeah. So all they're doing... This is not a detective movie. This is a travel movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a bra- it's this, one long road trip. Well, a long road trip that usually consistently always ends back in, like, weird... Like, weird post-Pokemon London. Because <laughs> Canary Wharf's in it. Have you, did you see yeah, it? The you gherkins can see, in it? Yeah, you can see the gherkin, yeah. Um, in all seriousness, that's just, a, like, a, a bit, bit trivial. My opinion to this film is that I loved 
um, the the tone in which it was played. I thought that it was funny. I thought it was it was quite warm and quite charming. I liked that it was a PG that was able to be good for the grown-ups and for the kids. Yeah. I will say that I think that some points in the plot and some points in the movie felt either a bit rushed or a bit like they were trivial and didn't really mean as much. Yeah. So when you get, went to the emotional parts of the film, it got to it it there was there was just a bit of a struggle for me to connect. Okay. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I I kind of I I agree. I think there while I think that yes, the story isn't the most mind blowing in the world, mm. it does it did for me avoid quite a lot of the really obvious tropes that we've kind of recently been criticizing kind of quote unquote feel good movies for yeah. falling into in the last kind of I don't know 10 15 episodes of the podcast. Mm. Um I I still like it is like it's a mystery film but Pikachu doesn't really solve the mystery. Um but I still kind of right up until kind of the final moments I was falling for the traps that they set out in the plot and I didn't really know what was happening until yep. it was revealed. So what I did enjoy about this film is even if it's not going to win any Oscars for its screenwriting, um, it did keep me on my toes in the sense of it may not be the most impressive story, but it's a story that kept unravelling at quite a consistent pace for me. And as such, I was kind of consistently gripped through this film because I didn't feel like I'd figured out what was going to happen an hour before the end of the movie. Yeah, even though I think some of the moments could have been more hard-hitting and powerful, I can't deny that every single twist and turn happened consist- happened so consistently throughout the movie and all the way through it. It didn't stop at a certain point and then there was a big battle sequence. Yeah. There were still twists happening late into the third act of the movie as well, which was really, really good. I will say, and this is just, I don't know if we're going to do a spoiler review. review yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, just just as a non-spoiler review at, at this point part of it, um, if you want to watch this film, for God's sake, don't do what I did in preparing for the podcast and look on the cast list before you before you watch the film. Because I thought, I was like, oh, I'll write half my notes first and then I'll do that. But the sec- literally the second name on the cast list spoils the conclusion of the film oh really yeah well it's oh, there we course. go there yeah we go. all right oh, i get you i yep. get you oh, i get you yeah um the cast is quite good though to it's be really fair good um, cast. so i mean fast cast oh, yeah fast cast. i'm so drunk <laughs> <laughs> um i've i've talked at length uh before on the podcast obviously justice smith who is the main actor in this film um he was in jurassic world fallen kingdom you know in other words the film that shall not be spoken of. Um, you know, why are you looking so surprised? He's com- like the I've third most important for- character I've in that film. I completely forgot who he is in that film. He's like the nerdy kid. He, he, oh, he's himself. He's just the, oh, he's okay. just the nerdy yeah, kid yeah, with yeah, a small yeah. afro. Um, but he's he's a perfect casting in this film as kind of like a aloof loner kid um, who kind of stumbles. Across, well, he's had some like difficulties in his family, and he has never really connected with his father, and now he's kind of. He's told at the start of the film that his father, a kind of very successful detective in Rhyme City, has been murdered and kind of goes to find out what's happened. Um, he's very, very good at that. 
Um, I, I like him a lot. I like what he's doing. I like how he's kind of started to make a name for himself in kind of big budget movies. But I think that his, his scope as an actor is much beyond what he's doing currently. The first thing I saw him in was a TV show on Netflix called The Get Down, which we've discussed before. It's the kind of big budget one that they did, produced by Baz Luhrmann, um, about kind of the Bronx in the 80s and the start of kind of like you know, Grandmaster Flash and all those kind of secret DJ groups moving out of the way of disco era. Was that um, Netflix or HBO? It's Netflix. It was one season and they canned it after that oh, because okay. it wasn't very popular. One of the worst decisions Netflix has made, in my opinion. But the film just didn't... Re- the show just didn't really gain... Clearly didn't gain the traction they were hoping it would. And mm. it was very, very expensive. I think it was something like a budget of a million dollars an episode like you know we're talking game of thrones money here for something that wasn't clearly wasn't pulling in the views and they don't have dialogues um, but he was great and he's kind of in in the get down he's kind of part of this central love story that's a real kind of romeo and juliet situation and it's really beautiful it's mm. a really really great film and it show i keep calling it a film um but in we do a film podcast oh yeah oh, yeah, oh yeah shit. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot man um in, in that, he kind of, more so than Jurassic World and Detective Pikachu, you get to see him kind of flex his... He's got, like, a bit more swagger as a character. He's also kind of gets really heartbroken. Um, you know, with TV shows and with TV acting, he gets more time on screen to develop that character than he does in these movies yeah. that we're talking about. And so you get to... I kind of... My introduction to him was the real breadth of what he can do. Um, but he is a fantastic actor to cast in this movie. Um, alongside Ryan Reynolds as well, they've got a very good kind of witty repartee. I um, like Ryan Reynolds in this film because he's he's not just being Deadpool for kids. No, he's not. Do you know not. what I mean? He's there's more nuance to him than that. Apparently, he filmed he like he recorded some filthy lines though. I really. So yeah, in an interview the other day, he was saying that because they were kind of just telling him to have fun with it when they were in the recording booth. There's like hours and hours of like r-rated pikachu lines oh wow which apparently the way it worked is um they do all the fine tuning later but essentially when he records they have pikachu up on screen and the mouth is kind of coded to move in line with the sounds that are going through the system yeah so they actually get to look at how things look on pikachu's mouth as ryan reynolds is saying them in the booth so he'd be saying these really filthy things and you'd see Pikachu saying it. So apparently there are hours and hours of lines that just weren't made into the film because he was told to have fun with it that are like Deadpool-level grim. God. Um, <laughs> but all coming out of Pikachu's mouth. That's amazing, though. I like that the um, actress who plays Eat Pikachu in the animated series and like throughout most of media, um, Ikai, no, Iku Otani, um, she plays Pikachu in, in this film as well. I think it would be, be. Oh really? Yeah, it'd be sad if she didn't do that. But it's it's a nice little thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like what Andy Serkis is to Gollum, isn't it? Like, you <laughs> yeah. can't you can't like if you've got someone who's so experienced in kind of the way Pikachu moves and the feel of the character, it'd be stupid not to get them back to do it, right? Pick the moves. Well, yeah, he's got a flow, hasn't he? He's like a little podgy thing. No, it's not. It's not. It, like, no, podges around. Just the it? voice. Just the voice. But Ryan Reynolds is the voice. Oh, you just mean when he's like Pika Pika? Yeah, Pika Pika voice. Oh, right. 
He was me defending Pikachu's movements. Um, <laughs> anyway, other other great actors in this film. Bill Nye is in this movie. Um, just love anything he crops up in. He He's... never does a particularly good job, but it's just funny because it's like, oh, it's Bill Nye. He did slightly. He did something that I really appreciate in this film, which was one of his lines. I can't remember exactly. It might be when he was saying the, the name Tim Goodman. He does the. He does. He delivers a line like he like. He plays Rufus Scrimger in Harry Potter. Yeah. Do you know the beginning of the film? The, these are dark times, there's no denying. <laughs> yeah. And it's so bizarre. He plays it, one scene he plays it like that. I'm like, that is the Bill Nye you like to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. No denying. I think the biggest thing that I was um, impressed with with this movie is while I couldn't necessarily look at all the Pokemon on the screen, and you see, I, I don't know, how many Pokemon, different variations of Pokemon do you think you see in this movie? Probably about hundreds. No, because I, I was I was trying to count at the beginning, yeah. and then I realised when you got to the big city, that is no that is very impressive. I mean, yeah, I I think at least fifty sixty odd different Pokemon, yeah, like, which is really really cool. I think at least fifty sixty, but I think also like in the background shots they like add like like silhouettes yeah. and stuff, and it's a, so it's a real yeah, attention be to loads, detail about loads it. that we missed for yeah. sure. But I think um, and the character design is so beautiful. For oh, it's stunning! Pokemon. It's so good. Yeah, it's stunning. There is one Pokemon I have a problem with. Gone. Charizard. Oh yeah, Charizard looked weird, right? I think that's a bit bloated. That was yes, that's exactly it. He's bloated, and it was. It's like the scales didn't really. Act. Charizard's sleeker than that. He's. It's just a yeah. sl- sleeker thing. I just gendered Charizard. That's terrible. You did just gender Charizard. I did just gender. Charizard. How do you feel? Shamed. That's terrible. Um, but yeah, no. I, I, Charizard should be sleeker, um, and with horns, and it just it just looks like a sort of chubby Charizard, and that wasn't really. Yeah. His other design. But, but apart but, from that, but, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, you get to see... Like, I, I was very impressed by their commitment to show a diverse range of Pokemon. Yeah. Um, because when I first saw the trailers, I thought, oh, is this going to be one of those situations where they give you, like, the 15 most obvious Pokemon and scrimp on the rest because of budget, and it doesn't come out the other end feeling like a true Pokemon film because they just didn't put all that heart into it. And in reality, you've got a world in this film that feels very realistic, very kind of populated and dense. And it, it really does feel like you are in a world where Pokemon and humans coexist. Yeah. And, and, and you get that feeling from the, just the sheer range of Pokemon that you see across this movie. And it's not even that. I think, like, artistically, the way they integrate... like the, the the focal point of this film is Rhyme City, where Bill Nye is this like rich businessman, has got this concept that he's been employing around the city where Pokemon and humans will be better off if they harmonise and they work together in a city. And it's the only place in the world that does this. Everywhere else, Pokemon live in the wild and humans live in their own civilised communities. And... That all sounds... That's a very interesting concept as it stands. But actually taking that as an idea for a film and then making it feel integrated and making it really feel like that genuinely is happening. And when you're sat there watching it on screen, this really is a city where Pokemon and humans all work together for a common purpose. Yeah. It's quite a hard thing to do. And I was blown away by how immersed I felt. Like, there are, there are bits, just little touches in this film, and they're so brief, but, like, some of the ones that really stuck out to me were there's a there's a bit where you go, you flash past a TV, and it's a news report on a fire somewhere in the city. 
and human firefighters are there putting the fire out with hoses next to like a bunch of squirtles that are all like spitting at the fire. That thing would be so um, happy. There's also a bit where they're walking through a street market. And it's like a, you know, an, an, an atypical, like, Asian street food market, right? You've got big skillets and big woks flaming up stuff. But the flames for the, for the like, stir fry yeah. are being generated by, like, Charmanders there with their little tails, like, flashing it into the pans. I thought that was really, really cool. They just had, they had lots of, even, like, there's a scene with the, what's the mime Pokemon called? Mr. Mime. Mr. Mime, right? There's a scene involving Mr. Mime. It's in the trailer, so if you haven't seen the film yet, you, you'll probably still be familiar with it. That is a lot more inventive and a hell of a lot funnier than I was expecting that scene to be. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really clever. Um, so I just kind of I came out of the back of it thinking this was a really enjoyable movie. While, you know, it's not going to win tons of awards, I think one thing you can be fairly certain of is that no matter how hardcore of a Pokemon fan you are, you're probably not going to be frustrated by the way Pokemon are displayed in this film. Like it, it's not like when Game of Thrones is coming out every week and hardcore book fans are like really angry about the way characters are portrayed. This very much like it it treads this brilliant path where if you n- have never cared about Pokemon in your life, it's still a really inventive, enjoyable story and film. But if you really do care about Pokemon, you're on the other end of the spectrum you're not going to find anything that's insulting to your experience of Pokemon in this film. You're, you're just going to, you're going to be, I think, pleasantly surprised by how well they adapt it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, a, it draws a nice line between not, there's no fan service for, for fan services sake. Yes. It's not like, that's yeah. a nice thing. They about don't, they it. don't showboat. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a couple of nice touches, like for me as a fan where like, the, the policemen have Growlithe and Snubbles and the games the policemen had Growlithe and Snubbles it was just a thing that the policemen had and like small details like that and yeah I I think it's beautiful and like the Bulbasaur at the at the end uh, that's exactly where the Bulbasaur would be they'd be nesting in, in, in a Torterra as a bulb and it's nice also that they don't just show the familiar fifth you're smiling i'm smiling because i find it so cute when you're like that's obviously where bulbasaur would be yeah i know um, <laughs> i don't know where the fuck they'd be but it's, it's nice also that you've got six or seven generations of pokemon equal to each other there's no like there's that apart from the focus on pikachu there's no focus on like the favorites from the anime it's the focus on like this is a world the pokemon are going to make sense in this world in this film like we are using this Pokemon specifically because it can do this move in this fight scene or have this impact on the plot, and that's nice. It feels like I'm not paying fan service, and actually, it makes me more in- more interested in some of the Pokemon that I saw. Like Froakie, it was um, there's an army of Froakie, um, which is um, if the audience don't happen to know who Froakie is, just off the tongue. I mean, I don't. I mean, well, yes, it's the Pokemon that um, were like ninja frogs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Froakie. Yeah, yeah, Froakie. <laughs> um, idiot over here. <laughs> um, those those Pokemon are like Gen Five, not like the most loved Pokemon in the world, but they served a, the perfect what purpose does, for what, Pokemon. What, wait, hold on. What does Gen Five mean, and why are they not liked? They're not not liked. It's just that like diehard fans of the Pokemon things probably like think of the first three generations as like the ones. And most people think of like the first two generations as the ones because those were Game Boy Color. 
Also, the first three generations have been remade into DS games and then 3DS games. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you've you've got familiarity for two or three games of that. So if you're a y- if you're an older fan, you can play the play the game. Play the remakes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's a bit more his history with the, those characters. Whereas Gen Five is just at the beginning of no wrong Gen Six um, is just the beginning of. <laughs> I'm falling asleep. Cut to the chase. Gen Six is the be- <laughs> Gen Six is the beginning of the 3DS era, in which in which case Pokemon got like huge and not like a stripped back smaller game anyway i'm done it's a it was it was lovely the way they used pokemon in this film i thought it was really really nice and a really nice touches to it as well um that's my point <laughs> you know you, you, the only thing that stuck out to me but obviously like there are a bunch of plot holes but come on give it a break it's a fucking pokemon film but um we give the first movie <laughs> enough of a break anyway yeah no, definitely <laughs> um the one thing that did stick out like a sore thumb to me which i didn't particularly think was a necessary or b entertaining were the celebrity cameos in this film there were two that i picked up on that i thought both were equally cringe. Do you know who they were? Oh, well, Rita Ora is one. Yeah, so one of them is Rita Ora. Completely unnecessary. I'm not saying Rita Ora can't make her way into acting. I am. But if you're... <laughs> she was terrible. She was absolutely what, so the, the, terrible. The buck stops with Cara Delevingne. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I, you know what? I, I kind of think The Enchantress was better than Rita Ora in that film. Oh, fucking hell, mate. Slow, she, slow your roll. At least Cara Delevingne had like a look... And like she had something, some kind of thing in her eyes. Whereas Rita Ora was just saying those lines. I've yeah, never seen so, anything like it. So this is my problem with that cameo. She's in it for all of five minutes. <laughs> Complete, completely irrelevant character that doesn't have any real bearing on the plot. So it's not like it's an interesting role opportunity for Rita Ora to take. It's not like it's a big character or something she can really throw her newfound acting talent behind. It's also like not she's she's not the hugest Pokemon yeah. fan in the world. Yeah, she yeah she's never ever specified that she's a Pokemon fan. Yeah. So I'm I'm just confused, right? Because it must have been so expensive to hire her to do that little bit part instead of any other ca- any other actor or actress possible that could have fulfilled the role that she has. Why did they do it? Did they feel like to break certain markets they needed? Because it wasn't very... It, I, I don't think it was publicised beforehand. She's not in any of the trailers. So it clearly wasn't done to sell tickets. So what was the point? I'm sorry, Rita Ora is not the biggest pop star in the world that you're going to get a worldwide audience tuning in because Rita Ora is in five minutes of the film. Yeah. It's just, it's it's baffling to me. This also, is... sorry, no, I don't... I, Go on. I, what also annoys me is that, again, I... Spoiler... What? Blah. I watched. I list. Blah, I can't speak. <laughs> um, I. You know. I will speak. Damn it. Speak. Speak. Um, I was told previously that I'd looked at the cast list before watching this film, and yeah. I got spoilt. Um, Rita Ora was in this cast list, and I was like, "Oh no!" Rita Ora was then in the first, like the first, like maybe five seconds as just an audio part of this film. I was like, oh, good, okay. She must like Pokemon somehow. She got five seconds of an audio role. She's not seen, it's fine. And I was like, okay, that's actually quite a nice use of the celebrity casting. And then she comes back and butchers it. And I'm, and that made me even more annoyed. Yeah. Who is the second one you're talking about? I'm not sure. The second one was Diplo. So you know the scene he where Pikachu DJ, and Charizard fight? The 
DJ oh. is Diplo. Now, I'm slightly more forgiving of that because I can actually imagine Diplo being quite a big Pokemon fan, it just being quite a fun opportunity for him. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing he does all the time. But again, it was just another like, oh, God, really? And he like, was really bad in it as you, well. You, but, it, but it's not even about him being good or bad. It's not exactly a hard role to fuck up. But it's just like, it's that like completely unnecessary cashing in of a celebrity personality that doesn't add anything to the film, doesn't add any plot, doesn't help it. It's like when Ed Sheeran was in Game of Thrones for that bit where he sang a song around a fire. It's like all this is is like a cash grab. Yeah. Why? Why? I just wish films like this didn't feel like they needed to stoop that low. And just think about the alternative for Rita Ora. I'm just going to keep on going around about Rita Ora. Oh, can I just really briefly say about Rita Ora? I just looked up what film she's been in. So she was an uncredited race caller in Fast and Furious 6 in 2013. I, I remember. You know, pinnacle of her film career. Um, since then, she's been in all three Fifty Shades of Grey films and Southpaw, that boxing film with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, I haven't seen the Fifty Shades of Grey films. I think I've seen the first one, actually. I don't know who she played. I have no idea who she played. Um, it doesn't make... But is it like it Nicki doesn't... Minaj playing the receptionist in um, that cheating film? That cheating film? Do you remember that film that had the three women who were all getting cheated on by Nic- Nikolai Costa-Waldo? And then they all team, team is up. Is that the guy that plays Jamie Lannister? Yes. And they all team up. And I think it's got... Um, I think... It's not Amy Poehler. I think it's like... God, who is in that film? Jennifer Lawrence? No, not Jennifer Lawrence. Ashley Graham? No. You're now going to look through this, this Mate, film. This film no is idea it's a great film. It's a really good film. I've watched it. I, I really enjoyed it. Cameron Diaz is one of them. Yeah. Then the mum in everything is, is one of them. Is it called The Other Woman? It's called The Other Woman. There you go. Yeah. The Other Woman. It's Cameron Diaz, Leslie Mann, and Kate Upton. Leslie Mann is the is the mum and everything. And you are correct. Nicki Minaj is in it. Yes, Nicki Minaj is in it. It's just the receptionist. I feel like that's the similar thing with Rita Ora. This um, film. When did this come out? This film had a budget of forty million dollars. That made two hundred million dollars. Yeah, it was huge. And this is about a guy that sleeps with three women behind each other's backs. Yeah. So the Cameron Diaz and Nicolai Costawaldo have like the like the new romance relationship. Um, Nikolai Costawaldo and uh, the um, Leslie Mann have like the almost married couple relationship, and then Kate Upton and Nikolai Costawaldo are like the model fucking relationship, and so that's. Did I just swear on the podcast? Like, you did. That... that might be the first time. Wow. Pop your cherry. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, we, let's talk, stop talking about the other woman. You're now just reading facts about this film. How did, how, did this film, how did this film make a net profit of $150 million if it's got a 26% rate? Number? Oh, it, whatever. It takes a Pikachu. It takes a Pikachu. Um, have we got anything else to say? Have you got any, any other bits to add? Oh, okay. Um, no, I won't. I'll save that because it's my favourite moment of the film. My least favourite moment of the film was when... Um, I can't remember which character it is, but one of them is fighting a Ditto, the Pokemon that Ditto, and the Ditto transforms into a various different, like, it, it, it pretends it masquerades as human characters, um, but it always wears sunglasses, and when you take the sunglasses off, it's got this fuck-off, creepy little black beady eyes, and I shuddered in my seat, 
and this like three seat I was watching it on my own and three seats down for me was like this woman and her two kids and she like was like a bit alarmed by how much I'd shuddered at this bit because it's not really that scary no. but it really hit me the reason it hit me is because we talked about this on the podcast before when I was really young I wasn't scared of clowns I wasn't scared of the dark I wasn't scared of any of that typical stuff I was terrified of eyes doing anything abnormal so there are a couple of films that really fucked me up when I was younger one of them was Flash Gordon oh yes because yes, yes. There, is, about this. there is a scene in Flash Gordon where Flash is fighting this weird monster on like a revolving table of spikes and the monster eventually gets impaled by the spikes and it zooms in on its face and his eyes like pop out of his skull that was horrible that gave me nightmares for weeks I then also watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit Mm. which I mean whoever decided a good idea for a kids film was to make a story about a cartoon an evil cartoon character going around and killing all of the other cartoon characters in Toonville is a fucking psycho um but there's a scene in that where this guy this like this this human gets crushed by a steamroller that Roger Rabbit's driving and he is completely flat and he wanders over to this oxygen tank with a big tube and he pumps himself back up to look like a normal human. But as he does that, his eyes literally burst out of his fucking skull and there are big red evil cartoon eyes underneath. And it just it tore through me like a bullet. It was like one of the worst things I think I'd ever seen in my wow. life. It was terrifying. And I got the exact same feeling. Years later, man, I'm talking like... 13, 14 years later, I got the exact same feeling the other day watching Detective well, Pikachu. When that ditto with its fucked up googly eyes came out, I was like, nope, yep. not me. I nearly stood up out of my seat. And this woman a few seats down was like, what the fuck is that adult man doing? <laughs> <laughs> but what did, the, what did the... Was it when the ditto had human form with those eyes? Was yeah, that, man, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's quite scary. Yeah, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Shall we go on to critics' quotes? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um... My laptop's down on the floor. <laughs> uh, my first critic quote is from, which is Best Description, the award for Best Description, is by Courtney Smalls from Cinema Axis. And he says, Pokemon Detective Pikachu is a fun romp that would delight young kids and Pokemon fans. However, those seeking more substance in their films might want to look elsewhere. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's pretty fair enough. But I think if you're looking for that level of substance when you go to watch this film, you're kind of missing the point. Yes, but I still think there there could have been some more emotional. Like there's a point yeah, in that film right. where Tim and Pikachu have an emotional chat, and I thought it was quite sweet. Oh, I found it a bit sickening. On the nose. All right, fair enough. I mean, they've got a sequel in development already, so like maybe that will broaden the narrative. Um, hey, rotten tomato, rotten tomato. <laughs> it's the best joke I've ever made. <laughs> uh, my best description is from John Erdoninsky of the New York Post. He said, who would have thought that one of the most enjoyable buddy cop movies of 2019 would star a Pokemon? I thought, yeah, fair enough. But then I also pondered it and thought, what other buddy cop movies are out? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's quite a a small category, right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that's very true. It is is a buddy cop movie and it is fun. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, My Most Savage is by Gary Walcott of... And it's... 
And I, I think I think this is a radio station. Um, it's K C no K X L F M. So he spewed this live on air. Yes, I think in Spanish. He's vicious live <laughs> in Spanish. I think in Spanish. Um, only Pokemon fans will find this remotely interesting. Worse, you won't leave the theatre regurgitating a bunch of great Ryan Reynolds lines. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I think that Ryan Reynolds is great, but I don't know. I don't know if like. Ryan Reynolds lines is like a thing now. Is it a thing? Has he created his own thing? Yeah, well, that's what I was saying about having Reynolds fatigue. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I am a bit worn out of the same kind of humour over and over again. Yeah. From the same guy with that really iconic, I don't want to say iconic, but very, very distinctive voice. It's like you hear it, you, like, uh, you can hear him blindfolded and be like, oh, fucking hell, it's Ryan Reynolds again. Yep. Do you yep. know what I mean? Um, my most savage, I had two. Um, I, thought I always do it. They're, they're quite fun. They just—they just get me, man. They just get they just me. Get me. Um, the first one is from David Fear of Rolling Stone. He said, "You may choose this movie even if you aren't a poker scholar. That doesn't mean it's willing to choose you." Ooh. Ooh. And the second one was from Philip Desemlin of Time Out. He said, "If you're not a Pokemon devotee, imagine watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit." Call back to what I just the point I just made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see why I did this? Yeah, clever. Mm-hmm. Um, you may choose this movie. Oh no, I'm reading the wrong one again. <laughs> <laughs> I got confused by my own arrogance. Yep. If you're not a Pokemon devotee, imagine watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit after a PCP binge, and you'll get the idea. Yep. That's horrible, but yes. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Best, most, most savage. I'd um, still rather do that than be a five-year-old in the curse of La Lorena screening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yes, 100%. That's terrifying. Um, I'm so interested to hear what your best moment is, because we've talked about that this being like, it's a standout, a real standout moment of this one for you. Well, mate, it, it harks back to how we opened the episode. There is there is a scene in this film, <laughs> in kind of the turn. Oh, in, I know. In, in, yeah. in the turning point of this film, I think there's... Like I said, like they, they play with the Pokemon brand much more than I thought they were going to be willing to in this film. And I like that. They are willing to kind of mess about and have a bit of fun with the existing IP. Um, the best moment or the best example of that for me in this film is there's a scene where Tim and Pikachu have kind of parted ways and they're both quite upset. And Pikachu is like wandering home on his own from like the woods and he's walking along the side of the road and he's crying and he's singing the original Pokemon song. So he's walking along and he's like, yeah. I know it's my destiny. And it is, it is so funny. It's a like, I think that I think that is the, hands down the best joke in the film. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, for me, although even though this was heavily done on the, on the trailers... I really enjoyed the Mr. Mime scene. Mm. I thought it was so funny. I thought it was so well done. I thought the, I thought the, I thought it was the wit. I think it was probably the wittiest part of the film. Yeah. Like Ryan Reynolds' like witty lines were were so good there, but also the good cop bad cop playing with Tim and oh, I was just it was just I thought it was perfect. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, ratings. Seven point five out of ten. I think it was. I think it was really, really enjoyable. It was a very good movie. I would, I would be up for watching it again, sometime next month. Um, I'm not in a rush to go and see it again. I don't think that there's much to gain from watching it a second time. 
but it is it is absolutely that film where if it propped up if it cropped up in that like recently added on Netflix, I would be like, oh, brilliant, yeah, whack it on, you know. It, it it's just a good movie. It 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 kind of it reignited my passion for Pokemon in a way like I don't really I don't own any of the new games I, I I haven't played Pokemon properly in a very long time but it was very kind of it was a nice little nostalgia trip for me to go back and see all of these characters and things pop up that you know were a part of my childhood um done in a very tasteful way yeah so uh, yeah I think I think it was it was really really good at doing what it does. It did what it said on the tin for me. Could it be better? Absolutely. It like it could have a better story. It could have more heartfelt moments that are actually done with better tone, um, and better delivery. Um, it could have better casting in places. I didn't think that the main girl was a particularly good actress. I found her quite annoying. I found her a bit boring. Um, a yeah, yeah, quite two D. Yeah, there are definitely things for it to improve on, but it's it's going to have a sequel. And I, I kind of feel the same way. It, obviously, it's in a, it, Guardians of the Galaxy, for me, is in a very different league. When I came out of watching the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, I thought, oh my God, my mind is blown. This is the best superhero movie I've seen in years. I was changed, um, yeah. But I, I had the same... I had a, a kind of a slightly more relaxed feet, like version of the same feeling when I came out of Detective Pikachu, which was... When I left the Guardian screening, I was like, I honestly can't wait for the second one to come out. And when I left Detective Pikachu, I left it and I was driving home and I was thinking, you know what? Like, that was really good. I, I'm quite excited to see where they go with a sequel. Yeah, I think I think so. I am, I'm, I'm actively looking forward to seeing the next one come out. And I think if you're trying to build a franchise and you're trying to make a film um, well around quite an established and kind of popular concept or, you know, character or whatever, um, that's kind of the main thing you could wish for from an audience, is they go and see that first film and they leave it thinking, I'd be quite keen to see another outing of this of the adventures of these characters. Do you think that they, they are going to fully do it? Because the, the, the climax of the film suggests that... And it obviously films change that's not the end climax but in doing a sequel they'd have to reinstate detective pikachu as detective pikachu yeah yeah no I, know, I, mean? I, I think um man I, I you know what i think there are ways around it there are yes um they're not plausible at all but, <laughs> but no, none of the concept of this film and this universe is plausible so i i, I i've seen like t- like seasons of TV shows and cliffhangers at the end of movies with sequels end with more question marks than this. Yeah. So I'm going to place my faith in whoever writes the next film to build a story that seems logical and makes sense and is clever. I'm I'm gonna, I'm just going to place my faith in the people that actually get paid to do that. Yeah. I don't think that the ending of this film even if it does kind of leave, it does raise some eyebrows about how they do the sequel, I think they will find a way. And I think people will inevitably spend way too long stressing about that now. Like, so many of the articles I've seen online at the end of the, uh, after this film came out were like, how the hell are they going to bring it back for a sequel? I don't know, they'll just fucking think of something. Like, mm. it's not, it's, it's not going to be that hard, is it? No. 
no, what true. would you what would you give it? I'd give it a seven. Okay. And the reason for that is I think when I came out of this film originally, I was happy, but there was a slight sense of, eh, I think it was okay. Last two days, I'd I've said I would say, I've kind of had a bit of a change of heart on it, just because, and in a positive way rather than a negative way, um, and that's because I I really feel like no matter how much it some of the things didn't work, I think that Bill Nighy's like villain plot of what actually he wanted to do was I don't think was well written at all. Um, yeah, and I that, agree. that last the last twenty to thirty minutes of this film is a bit convoluted. all over the place and, all, and convoluted. Um, and normally I'd mark a film down harsher, and sometimes it sometimes it doesn't flow as well as I want it to. the 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 reason it's getting a seven, which is quite high, is that it's just got such a nice intention about it. Yeah, you really feel like the creators are trying to do something really nice with this film. They're trying to do, they're trying to do something to please kids, adults. They're trying to be happy, and they're just trying to do a film that's full of joy. I also I also feel like the reason I'm willing to rate it quite favorably is because with such an established brand, it would be very easy for this film to kind of be like how I see the Lego movies as kind of one big advert for the product. Um, I'm not saying the Lego movies are bad by any means, but they are kind of like that. They are quite long adverts for Lego in general. Yeah. Um, and this very easily could have fallen into the trap of being one big advert for Pokemon and all the things that Pokemon is releasing at the moment. And it didn't do that. Didn't do it once. Um, it, it This didn't feel like it was just a merciless cash grab with a big budget behind it pushing almost almost one big piece of marketing for the existing company. It very much was a movie made in the spirit of what that brand has created over the years. And that, it would have been so easy for it to not have been that independent. And I respect them quite a lot for, for, you know, it wasn't perfect for sure. Like it wasn't the most independent thing they could have done with Pokemon. No. But I really did respect them for their kind of, uh, how how kind of careful they were with making it not seem like it was just a cash grab. Yeah. And I was worried at the beginning of the film because in the Odeon that I went to, I, I for once in my life, I got to an Odeon on time. So I saw all of the adverts and the um, trailers and the advert started and there was about three or four for three or four, maybe even five Pokemon adverts. And I was like, oh God, if this is the direction of the adverts, what the hell's the film gonna be like? Mm. And then as soon as the first bit of the film started, I did not think about the corporation or the Pokemon company once. Uh, apart from when it kept the, the Pokeball came up at the the start of the titles about saying the Pokemon company, I did not think of Niantic, I just didn't think of the Pokemon, I didn't think of any of the games. Yeah. I just thought of this entity as a film with Pokemon in it as the creatures that, that have been created. Yeah, and the, the plot the plot of this film could have very easily gone down the line of making it kind of feel like how hum- how we all play Pokemon Go in the real life. Yeah. And it could have it could have the the narrative could have been fit to kind of draw parallels with the ways that we can interact with Pokemon products in this day and age on our phones and on our new games consoles and it didn't do that yeah uh, it did its own thing like the new Niantic trailers this film could have just been like a new like a new trailer for Pokemon Go like yeah. very easily yeah. and it wasn't it really wasn't 
Um, so I've got I've got to I've got to commend it for that. So seven out of ten for me. So there we go. A seven out of ten and a seven point five, a fourteen point five out of twenty. <laughs> That's a new thing, Will. Let's do that. Oh. <laughs> Let's rate films out of twenty, and <laughs> we both have to independently choose half of the score. We 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 are really going against the grain there because not <laughs> everyone rates films out of five stars. We rate it out of, out of ten because we're correct. And then if we do it out of twenty, let's do it out of fifty-seven. <laughs> 52 there we go that wraps up our Detective Pikachu review uh, we hope you enjoyed once again thank you very much for listening coming up in the next month or so in the calendar we are probably going to be reviewing Rocket Man in some capacity in the next couple of weeks I'm Rocket Man uh, see what Taron Egerton Man. can do with that on with, you know in the year of Elton John's biggest PR push ever you know fucking John Lewis ad new album it's got all sorts stadium tour um let's see if that film is just a big old piece of grandstanding or not i'm very curious i think it's going to be a bohemian rhapsody times two what so he's going to win an oscar for best actor mm. uh, ah you stumbled into that one didn't you no you i bastard. mean i mean it's going to be <laughs> annoying <laughs> um yeah yeah i i agree i agree yeah i it's gonna be sicking sickeningly sweet to, to and about Elton John, yeah. To, and also, just I don't think it's going to tell his story right. I don't know. There's something about it that I'm not sure about. Yeah, but, but then I trust Taron and the film Rocket Man more than I trust with trust Rami and the, the and Queen. Mm. Like Queen was still invested, and well, I know Elton well, John Elton's... is directly invested in this film. I understand yeah. that, but I but I do kind of get the feeling that I can imagine Elton John's a little bit more candid than the surviving members of Queen were. I mean, for Christ's sake, Elton John has taken pictures in Cannes on his yacht with gay porn stars before. He's not really that concerned about his image. He just no. likes... He lives a private life mostly, and then if he's doing stuff doing stuff that's got camera... He splashes out a bit. Yeah, he doesn't... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So I think that that's already putting the film in a better stead, although I still think it might be sickeningly sweet and not, and not in a good way. Yeah, definitely. So we've got that coming up, Whoop. and then sometime after <laughs> that as well, we'll have X-Men Doc Phoenix, which will be... Well, I mean, I think it's going to be really good despite the reshoots. Will, you're not so sure, are you? I wasn't, and then I watched Sophie Turner in Game of Thrones Season 8, and whatever your thoughts about Game of Thrones Season 8, I'm not going to go into it. She's fucking good. She's really good, and I didn't think Sophie Turner was a good actress until this season. She's really grown on me as an actress. Wow. Massively. It's something about her eyes. Something that she does with her eyes and her mouth and like the tension that she does, I think it's really good. I think they've just given her, they, they've now kind they've of given, given her a level of maturity that really shows off what she can do as an actress. Yeah. Anyway, that's we'll save that for the Game of Thrones <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, once again, thank you very much and we will see you all, n- well, soon. Soon. Bye. Bye.